Okay. Good evening, everyone. I hope you're all keeping well. And together we'll get through this, God willing. Just uh, one housekeeping note. Uh, our synagogue building will not be open for the next two weeks because of the Seger. But uh, we've arranged a program. Uh, whoever wants to can certainly join. You can tell your friends about it. Mincha uh, next week is a quarter of five. At five o'clock, I will give a Zoom uh, short uh, discussion on the Parsha of the week till 5.15, and then at 5.15 is the appointed time for Myra. So the, you can get the Zoom link from the shul, and uh, we'll be able to learn together every night as uh, we have been doing uh, when the shul building was open. And uh, tonight's lecture uh, was sponsored, is sponsored by uh, my uh, <clears throat> dear friend Andy Haas and his brother Stephen and Robin Haas in memory of their mother, Golda Batyakov. The Shoma should have an aliyah and we should have good news, the Haas family and all of us together. This week's parsha is Shmot, names. And the uh, parsha begins by listing the names of the tribes of Israel. But there are other names that appear in the parsha as well. And in fact, names are almost central to the parsha. So, for instance, Moshe says, Kaviochel to the Rabbonishalolam, he says to God, Voyoki, show, they're going to ask me, Mashmo, what's God's name? Mo Omar what should I say? Now, what does he mean, what is God's name? They're going to ask him, what is God's name? So you have to understand the Jewish people have been subjected centuries of slavery. They uh, remember that they're special, but they don't remember why they're special. And the exalted ideas of monotheism are uh, distant from them. As uh, the Medrash will say later, why are you punishing and drowning the Egyptians? Because they're idolaters. The Jews are also idolaters. So uh, Moshe comes to tell them that God said, The God of your fathers appeared to me. The God of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And he sent me to redeem you. So the Jewish people laugh, who's that God? There are lots of gods out there. What's his name? 
Is he uh, Ra or uh, the sun god? Is he Zeus or Apollo? Is he Jupiter or is he Minerva? Who is he? What's his name? Because that is how the world outside of the Jewish people, even today, is accustomed to think of God. He's got to have a name. You have to be able to identify him, so to speak. So what should I say to them? They're going to ask me. So the Rabboni Shalom says, eh, yeah, sure, eh, yeah. So uh, the uh, eh, yeah, sure, eh, yeah, can be one of the names of God. And if, if such, we should not pronounce it lightly. But if you have in mind that you're not pronouncing the name of God, you can say it the way it's written. Eh, yeah. I share you. I will be what I will be. So Rashi says, famous Rashi that we all know, I will be with them in this trouble to get them out of Egypt. I will be with them in later troubles as well, later exiles. Rashi quotes the Bedrash that Moshe said to them, wait, to the Rabboni Shalom, wait, one Torah is enough. Dial it Torah Bishaito. They're enslaved in Egypt, and I'm going to tell them, I'm going to take you out, but don't worry, you'll be enslaved again, but God will be with you. Why should I tell them what's going to be bad later? We didn't get out of this one yet. I remember uh, I'm under the influence of having uh, Baruch Hashem, a great granddaughter born today. So uh, I remember that uh, when uh, my wife, uh, we were expecting uh, a child and uh, we had then a three-year-old and so uh, my wife told her, you know, that she's expecting a child. We're going to have another baby in the family. And she had a younger uh, sibling already. And she said, what do we need another baby for? We didn't use this one up yet. So we didn't use up this goalless yet. So then what are you telling me? It's going to be what it's going to be. And the, according to Rashi, the Lord Kaviyochel acquiesces to Moshe's comment. What is Eye? Now, all the other names that we attribute to God, which don't go to the essence of God, but they describe a power. So Kale is strength, Elohim is majesty, Hashem is mercy, Shakai is uh, limiting uh, our uh, pain, 
all of the names that we have are, so to speak, descriptive names. What is this? What is this name? I will be. So the Rambam in the Mor uh, Nevuchin discusses this. One of the uh, brilliant insights that uh, he has. And he says, Aya means I am. Everything else in the world is created. Everything in the world has a source. Everything in the world can be broken down. It's gases, it's water, it's air, it's a metal, whatever it is. Everything was created, was made from something. Aya means he's not made from anything. I am. I am. I always will be. I am a creator, but nothing is created. That was a basic difference between the pagan outlook on the gods. They had gods that were created from gods. But the Torah teaches us, hey, yeah, I am, I am, I am. And that's it. There's not more to consider. Now, that's a very sophisticated idea that Moshe has to communicate to the Jewish people. And therefore, he says to them, hey, Eshlochani Aleichem. There is a, uh, a concept, I am, I will be, I always am, I'm not created, I'm not subject to time, I'm not subject to circumstances, I'm not influenced. So if they ask you what, so that's what you have to tell them. You have to tell them that this is the top God that they're going to have to, so to speak, become accustomed to. This is the God that we that we deal with, who is far beyond any human definition, and far beyond any uh, human ability to describe or delineate. Yeah, yeah, I am. So when he said originally, it's the same thing. I am because I am. I am. That's it. There's nothing more to say. And I'm not subject, therefore, to deterioration, to any of the forces which exist when things are created. And that's why Paro, when he says, uh, I looked up the name of God, you know, I looked them up on, uh, on Google and I couldn't find them. Who is he? Who are you coming? Uh, you know, you're telling me 
who, what, where, where is he? Because Paro can't understand it. Well, you're telling him what I am, I am. What does that mean? Paro is conditioned to think of God in pagan terms. And unfortunately, uh, there are many people in the world, even today, who profess to be monotheists, but who think of God in pagan terms. And uh, in Judaism, that's why it says, We're afraid to look at God meaning that it's all beyond us. We can't glimpse it. We can't wrap our arms around it. There's no definition here. There's nothing that will make sense to us. So then we just have to accept, hey, So uh, that's one name that exists in the parsha that's very important. The name of Hashem, so to speak. I am. Uh, I'm the God that you will ha- be responsible to. That all of your uh, existence will depend upon. Be dependent upon. That's Ayesh Lachami Then there's a second name that uh, dominates the Parsha, and that's the name of Moshe. Uh, we are introduced to uh, Moshe Rabbeinu as he was an infant cast into the waters of the Nile. hopefully to be saved from being eaten by the crocodiles. And he is miraculously saved. And he is saved by uh, an unlikely heroine, the daughter of the Pharaoh herself. Batya, the daughter of the Pharaoh, she has mercy upon him. She says, He's one of the Jewish children. And eventually, uh, through uh, Miriam, uh, his real mother, Yocheved, is brought to nurse him. And eventually, he is brought to the palace where he is raised as a prince of Egypt. Now, the name Moshe, so the uh, Torah itself tells us that the name comes, So most of the Mephorshim say, is a Hebrew word, a Hebrew verb. And that it means I was you drawn the 
taken from the water. And she see you as like Moshcheu to drag, to take out. However, the announcer says here that Mishisiyu is an Egyptian word, even though it's in the Torah. The Torah has a number of times non-Hebrew words that are part of it. And that it does mean that you were drawn from, that he was drawn from the water. He was taken out of the water. But that the uh, word itself is Egyptian in origin. So that the name Moshe is really an Egyptian name, not a Hebrew name. Gemara teaches us that Moshe Rabbeinu had seven names. Tuvio, Yered, Yekutiel, all sorts of beautiful Hebrew names. If Moshe is not a Jewish name, then why does the Torah call him Moshe? The Torah should call him by his Hebrew name, by one of his Hebrew names. And it's especially true because the Gemara says that one of the uh, attributes of the Jewish people in Egypt is that they did not change their names. Shemoshinu Eshmom, they didn't change their names. They didn't change their garments. And that they kept the Hebrew language alive. They didn't change their language completely. And that these were the elements that uh, brought them to redemption. So that's a good question, I think. Why does the Torah insist on calling him Moshe? And we see now the name Moshe will be in every parsha except for one. As if it will be throughout the Torah. Mentioned probably hundreds of times. So, uh, I have a story to tell you. I, I've uh, told it a number of times. But I don't know if I've told it to you. And if I have, I think it bears repeating. And I might even suspect that even if you heard it once, you don't remember it, so then I can safely repeat it once again. You all know that all my stories are true. Some may not have as yet occurred, but they are all true. This one occurred and is true. I came to Yerushalayim uh, a number of decades ago, even before I made Aliyah. 
and I was uh, staying in a hotel. And I was going to go back that night to the United States, my family. And uh, I noticed in the newspaper, there was a small notice from the Yad Vashem, the uh, Holocaust Museum. And it announced that it was opening to the public that day, a new museum, a new building dedicated to the memory of the one and a half million Jewish children under the age of 12 that were destroyed in the Holocaust. And that this building was dedicated by a family from Los Angeles who were themselves Holocaust survivors. And that that family had lost a child in the Holocaust. And in memory of that child and all of the other enormous amount of Jewish children that were consumed in the Holocaust. They dedicated this building as a memorial to their uh, murdered son and a memorial for all of the Jewish children. Since I had uh, a fleeting acquaintance, I wasn't really close to the family. I mean, to that part of the family was close to another part of the family. But since I knew the family, I decided that before I go back to America, I'm going to go to the uh, museum and see what it looked like. Now, uh, I have been in Holocaust museums all over the world. And I'm therefore almost immune to them. I know I'm going to see uh, mounds of hair, of shoes, of toys, of suitcases. I know what I'm going to see. And because of the fact that uh, I was convinced that that's what I was going to see. So I was completely taken aback surprised and shocked by what I actually did see. I entered this children's museum. I went down the ramp that leads you into this enormous room. And as you descend the ramp, you realize all of a sudden you're in a room that is pitch black. It is so dark that you cannot put one foot in front of the other. And uh, I was hanging on to the railing on the side of the ramp. That was the only way one could continue to walk down the ramp into the room itself. And when I finally came to the bottom of the ramp and was in the room, again, pitch black. It's as black and dark as can be. But the, the human eye becomes adjusted even to total darkness. And after a short period of time, I noticed 
that throughout the walls and the ceiling and the roof of this room, there were little pinpricks of light, like little stars in the firmament. And I realized that was the symbolism of the souls and lives of those little children who in the midst of overwhelming darkness, they were still pinpricks of light. And I thought that was a very powerful innovative, genius way of communicating uh, this uh, tragedy in this building. Then the tape recording began to play a voiceover. And the voiceover did nothing but recite the names of Jewish children. Hannah Greenberg, three years old, Warsaw. A Victor Cohn, eight years old, Sarajevo. Names, 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 names of children. And uh, I was so emotionally overwrought by that. I was so uh, angry. and sad that I literally ran out of the room into the blind, if you were going from a black dark room to the blinding Jerusalem sunlight. And when I collected myself emotionally, and I wiped the tears from my eyes, I thought to myself for the first time, you know, that on that list of names, my name is not there. I'm not on the tape. I'm of the age. They meant me too. They couldn't get to Chicago, so therefore here I am. And that's why I was spared. And I thought to myself, you know, if my name is not on the tape, there's a reason. I'm supposed to accomplish something. My family, my synagogue, my congregation, the Jewish people, the state of Israel, I'm supposed to do something. Because my name is not on the tape. And therefore, I have tried ever since to try and do things that I never really thought I was going to do. But I always remember that my name is not on the tape. Moshe Rabbeinu. The Rabboni Shalom comes to him at the bush. 
he reveals himself to him. He says, I'm going to send you to Egypt. You're going to redeem the Jewish people. Moshe is not a happy camper. He doesn't want to go to Egypt. He doesn't want to redeem the Jewish people. He knows, uh, even though he really doesn't know yet what is entailed, but he knows that uh, it's not going to be an easy ride. Jewish people are not uh, soft. So he says, no, don't, I can't speak. My brother Aaron is much better than I am. He's much holier than I am. Finally, he says, send anybody else. Send somebody else. Don't bother me. The Lord says to him, Moshe, Moshe. Your name is Moshe. I took you out of the crocodiles. Don't tell me send somebody else. I saved you. I saved you for a purpose. And now I'm giving you your mission and I'm giving you your purpose. And you want to tell me you're not going to take it? That's unacceptable. And therefore, the Torah calls him by the name of Moshe. As a constant reminder, as a constant reminder that Moshe should not really be alive. Should have been gone in the Nile, like who knows how many other thousands of Jewish babies were gone. But I saved you. If I saved you, it was for a purpose. Hello? No, you call me in about 20 minutes. Thank you. So uh, I saved you. Your name is not on the tape, Moshe. Always remember that. I don't want to hear again that send somebody else. And from then on, Moshe shoulders every responsibility. It becomes the great leader of Claudia Soil, the great teacher, the great prophet, giver of the Torah, the immortal leader of Claudia Soil. So, what's in the name? A lot. We have to understand why he was called Moshe, just as we have to understand why Kaviyochel, the Rabboni calls himself, hey, yeah, I am. Because that teaches us vital lessons in life. All of us are saved people. The fact there's a Jew in the world today is miraculous. You mean you're still here? We had a neighbor in Muncie. Uh, she, uh, very clever woman. 
and she uh, always wanted to go back to her old hometown in Poland. She asked my advice whether she should go or not. You know, I did not encourage her. I told her that there really is nothing to see. But anyway, she went. When she came back, I spoke to her. I said, what happened? She said, I went into my own old home, which now my Polish neighbor is living in. And when the neighbor saw me, she said, Bella, you're still alive? I turned around and I took the plane back. You're still alive, Bella? Wow. How did that happen? You mean, Amayim, is she see you? We're drawn from the waters. So therefore, our name is Moshe. If our name is Moshe, it carries with it responsibilities. So as long as we are able, we have to try and fulfill those responsibilities. Try and do things that will strengthen Torah, that will strengthen the Jewish people, that will strengthen family, that will strengthen the state of Israel, our community, our synagogue. We always have to do something. And that, I feel, is the lesson of Elish Mos B'nai Yisrael. These are the names. Names are important. They tell us who we are, they also tell us who we should be. There's a tradition amongst Ashkenazic Jews to name children for previous ancestors. That's not so much to preserve the memory of those previous ancestors as it is to inspire the children to be like the previous ancestors. So that other generations will be happy to carry their name as well. I want to thank you all for listening tonight. I want to invite you to Saturday night, eight o'clock. We have a new series that I'm starting on how the Tanakh views uh, current events and current issues here in Israel. Uh, I find it to be interesting. I hope you will as well. And if you want to get the link, uh, contact Rabbi Nochem Amsel, 054-454-3618. He'll take good care of you. And everyone should stay well and we'll survive the Seger together. And Emir Tzishem meet again in Shul and only at good and happy occasions. Thank you again, Cold Tooth.